Can I share with you, we find the answer in this book that we're about to open. And his name is Jesus. And uh, he didn't just change my life. He changed many others this morning. And I want to encourage you, if you're looking for the Savior this morning, you're looking for answers this morning, and don't look any further. He's right here. Call upon his name this morning. First Kings chapter number 18. First Kings chapter number 18 this morning. I want to draw your attention to a portion of scripture that you probably know and you're probably familiar with. And I want to encourage you because we are coming to some special meetings that are just a few weeks away and looking forward to the teens taking over the service next week and uh, the Easter Sunday and revival meeting and then May's big days, looking forward to all of that. But I, can I share with you this morning, those are just meetings. You see, as we come to the house of God, every single time the doors of the church are open, every opportunity we have, this, there's a place, there's a meeting place, and there's a, a gathering, if you would. But I hope you don't walk out the doors of the church saying, wow, those people are great, but we didn't meet with Jesus. I hope you don't walk the doors of the church and spend your time here and leave and say the facilities are wonderful, but Jesus wasn't exalted. Our goal, our aim is that in everything that we do, that we would honor and glorify the Lord, and that He would be preached, He would be honored, He would be obeyed, if you would. And we find in Scripture, in the portion of Scripture here, uh, it's one of the, the most fascinating portions of Scripture concerning, if you would, an adrenaline rush. Uh, there, There is a, a battle, if you would, that is about to take place, and there is uh, some accusations that have been made. There is something that is so powerful about to take place, and you find in chapter number 18 a very clear statement that I want to bring to your t- attention this morning. A question is asked in First Kings chapter number 18, verse number 21, and Elijah came to all the people and said this. Notice these words. How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Now, 1 Kings chapter number 18, specifically this verse right here, is a very sad verse. You look at here and you see and you, you read the very beginning and Elijah making this statement or asking this question rather, how long halt ye between two opinions? The reason that we find a couple of reasons that it's sad is the first reason that it is sad is why is there even a question sometimes? You see, sometimes we walk through the doors of the church and we sit in our padded seats and we go about our days and we then go, we live however we want to Monday through Saturday and walk back in on Sunday and all of a sudden we act as though nothing that we have done this week that the Lord should be offended with the sins that we have committed, with the places that we have gone to, with the conversations that we have had. And if the question were to be asked this morning, how long halt ye between two opinions? We get offended by that. We get offended that, hey, you live however you want to. You live like the devil the rest of the week. And on Sunday, you say, I love Jesus. And we're just supposed to take that as if that's the case. You see, Elijah here, as he is about to make a statement, he asks the question, how long halt ye between two opinions? Joshua, if you go and you look in the book of Joshua, you'll find that there's a portion of Scripture. Joshua loved this statement. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why is he even having to state that? There is so much going on in our nation. In our Sunday school hour, I was sharing this. But there is a movement that is flooding America and flooding this nation. And it's going to creep into other parts of the world. And it's very simple. I love Jesus. That's all that matters. Hold up for just a moment. That would sound great. 
if the statement matched the lifestyle. You see, many times we hear and we say, oh, I love Jesus. Well, if you love Jesus, then why are you acting in that way? Why are you living in a life of sin? Why are you having these types of conversations? Why are you going to these types of places? Why are you doing things that you know clearly from God's word, he says, do not do. And then you expect us to say, hey, you just said you love Jesus. That that covers it all. Hold up for just a moment. Because in our lives, if you find yourself making such a statement that you truly and genuinely love Jesus, then the Bible tells us that if we love him, we'll obey him. So if we love him and we're willing to obey him, then all of a sudden we begin to address our sin the way it needs to be addressed. We begin to say, hold up, I can't be doing this because God's word says I need to live this way. And so in chapter number 18 of 1 Kings, verse number 21, he says, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. Now, if for just a moment I were to illustrate this and help you understand how we have come as a society, there are times whenever we realize what is right and we know what is wrong. And if I were preaching this morning and I were to say, hey, if those of you want to follow God, follow me out those doors. And if you want to follow the devil, follow those doors. And all of a sudden, as I walk out, everyone just stays seated. You're confused. You don't know which way you want to go. The Bible tells us you can't live betwixt like that. The Lord is not the author of confusion, and we understand well, there's a right way, and the book of Proverbs deals with those right ways and the things that we should be doing and should not be doing. And so as you come to chapter number 18 here, and you find what is going on here. He says, if the Lord be God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. We're living in a day and age where we're seeing that there are people that need to be reached. As you go and you walk through Scripture, you'll find that there's never been a lack of of fields to be reached. There's just always been a lack of people willing to go and reach them. The harvest has always been plenteous. What about the laborers? You go and you look in Scripture, you'll find, let's just take a, a, a book of the Bible that we all love to study as kids, the book of Jonah. Well, the harvest was plenty. But the labor, he was unwilling. You read in chapter number 1, and you go and you study in chapter 1 of the book of Jonah that he is told to go, and Jonah begins to flee. And we're finding that that mentality has crept into our minds and that God is wanting us to go, and God is wanting us to do, and instead of going and doing, we're fleeing oftentimes. We have a mentality that, hey, no, Lord, don't use me to do that. You can use anyone, so use someone else. And we rob ourselves of the blessing of seeing what God could do by using our lives. Unworthy, by the way. We don't deserve to be used, but that's how good God is. And so as you come to this portion of Scripture for just a few moments, you see that he is calling for action, if you would. Notice three things this morning. Notice with me, number one, his position. His position, if you would. As you continue walking on down, Elijah is going to make it very clear where he stands. He makes it very clear, and I wonder this morning if the Lord is dealing with you and has been dealing with you. Maybe you're visiting with us. I I don't know, but maybe the Lord has been dealing with you, maybe a church member, maybe a a visitor, maybe someone that's watching online. Maybe where you're standing is not very clear right this very moment. 
You've been dabbling in the world all the while. God is saying, hey, I have something for you over here. You've been living in a lifestyle of sin and you think that it's all going to be okay and that you have a full life to live so you don't have to worry about it. A couple of years ago, I was reminded of just how short life is and just how quickly it can go. And as a matter of fact, that it's not on our timeline. I did not know the gentleman, but there's a gentleman that was in college. And if you remember, Brother Warren Gallatin went to school with him for a season. And, and while he was there, there was a young man by the name of Blake who, just like that, his life was gone. Studying for the ministry. 18, 19, 20-year-old. His life was just taken just like that. Just the other day, I saw Miss Kelly was telling me of a, a student that was away, and he was doing his normal job. He was working, cutting grass, and he was in one of the medians, and he was cutting the grass in the medium, and a drunk driver crossed lanes, hit him dead on, and killed him just like that. You turn the news on, you hear of lives just like that. This morning, a request was being given as a, 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 a co-worker had experienced a tragic of, 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 of one who had committed suicide. A couple of weeks ago, as I was preaching, I shared with you that there was a young girl who approached me, and she said, my friend has tried to commit suicide, and I just found about it. You begin to think about that, and you begin to think about how short life is. So the question we have to ask ourselves is not, hey, what can I do to make sure I get the most out of my life? No, no, don't ask that way. God, what can I do with my life so I make sure that all the days of my life I honor and glorify you? Lord, everything that I do, Lord, I pray that you would be honored and glorified in it all. And so you come to this chapter and you understand where Elijah's position is. But he's asking this question. How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and but no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him, by, let him by, be God. And all the people answered him and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first. For ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is on a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awake. You're catching the, the, the situation here. Elijah says, hey, if, if God be God, follow him. If Baal be God, then follow him. And all of a sudden, they say, it is well spoken, so the challenge is set. Growing up and playing in sports, I, I remember growing up, and there were times whenever you would you'd be arguing. And uh, I, there was always a, an occasion that would take place, especially in basketball. You'd play, be playing basketball, and, 
you are, are driving and someone fouls you and you say foul, they say I didn't foul you, and all of a sudden you're bickering back and forth. So for those of you that played basketball, you know the very next words that are coming. Shoot for it. Shoot for it. With the understanding that all of a sudden that's going to be what settles it all. And so as soon as the statement is made, shoot for it, somebody grabs the ball and they, they go and shoot it. If they make it, they're looking at the other person, they're saying, ball don't lie. If they miss it, the person that's standing over there waiting for them to miss it looks at them and says, ball don't lie. Now, you come to realize that there are times when the ball does lie. But can I share with you in Scripture, when the challenge is accepted and the challenge is called for, there's no lies here. It's truth. If God be God, follow Him. If Baal be God, follow Him. So now Elijah is basically on looking here, and he says, Choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first. For ye are many. Hey, you do whatever you need to do, because, hey, I'm going to let you have your time. I'm going to let you realize some things here in just a moment. It's kind of like a parent who is trying to get their child to do something. They know that there's no way the child can do it if they keep going about it the way they're going. And so the child is arguing. They say, fine, you do it. What's that parent doing? They're just standing there waiting for that child to finally turn around and say, all right, fine, I can't do it. I need you to do it. So Elijah is looking on for just a few moments. Nothing is taking place since his sarcasm here in verse number 27. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awake. You sense the sarcasm here as all this is going on, and he is saying, hey, this is my position. But he has called out for a choice to be made. He is asking again in verse number 21, if the Lord be God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. This morning, if I could challenge every single one of us this morning, is that we're seeing many times where there, and we've made references, that there are many Christians who are blaming everything on the political status of our nation right this very moment. There are people that are blaming each other for this and for that, and we're griping about this and for that, but the reality of it is very simple. There are a lot of churches in our nation that are making a lot of noise. But they're not preaching Jesus. And the truth of the matter is there are a lot of Christians that are making a lot of noise in our nation. But they're not doing anything for Jesus. You see, this morning as you walk through the doors of the church, if God be God, follow Him. It's not a, it's not a hard thing to, to think about. In our Sunday school hour, we were talking about this. The Christian life is a life of obedience. You find what the Lord desires for you to do, and the only thing that we have to act upon is act in obedience. Lord, I'm going to say yes. Lord, I'm going to do this. Lord, you desire this, and so yes, I'll follow here. And so we begin to realize as he is calling out for this, he says, if the Lord be God, follow him. And then he goes on and said, if Baal, then follow him. You see, the character of our actions, the way that we live, is a revelation of the conditions of our heart. And so this morning, you walked into the church, and you are maybe living a certain way, you're living in sin, you're acting a certain way, you're doing all these things, and you're saying, oh, I'm Mr. Spiritual, oh, I'm Miss Spiritual. Well, the way that you are living, the conditions, the character of it all, is speaking to the condition of your heart. The Word of God tells us that man looketh on the outward, but God looks on the heart. 
And you find this to be true, and many times we come into the doors of the church and we're convicted about some things. But as Miss Sally said many years ago, we can be convicted so many times and still not changed. Why? Because there's a yielding that has to take place. And so he begins to cry out. His position is settled. He's not moving anywhere. Look with me in verse number 29 for just a moment. The Bible says, And it came to pass when midday was passed that they prophesied unto the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. This is an invitation that you're seeing here. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord. This is a restoration, a picture of it here. That was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And when the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as wood contained two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and he cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. He said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. He said, do it the third time. And did it the third time. The water ran round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at that time, the offering of the evening service, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, I have done all these things at thy word. For just a few moments, as you notice the position here, you begin to notice some things that he was making a very, very clear priority here. You begin to see, as in verse number 29 on down, that there was a place of prayer that was taking place, and a place of worship that was taking place, and a place of sacrifice that was taking place. And you find to be true that many of the things that we find ourselves struggling with are very simply a a reason or a reaction or really a result of us not putting a priority on the things that we ought to be putting a priority on. You find in this portion of Scripture that the altar is being repaired. And we find in many of our lives that we're unwilling to even touch the altar. As a matter of fact, not only just focusing on the altar, we're unwilling to spend time in prayer. We're unwilling to to gather ourselves because it just takes a little bit too much time. It takes too much work. And so as he is placing an emphasis here, he then goes on in verse number 36 and he says, Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and I am thy servant, and I have done all these things at thy word. Notice with me number two, we see his prayer, the supplication that is found here in these statements. Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. That I am thy servant, that I have done all these things at thy word. One of the saddest things that we find to be true in many of our lives as Christians, and I say many of ours, I'm speaking of Christianity, is that there are far too many people that don't know where we stand. Can I share with you, church, this morning, one of the things that ought to be known and understood is that those that you are around often ought to know that you are a Christian. That you're a child of God. You say, oh, I just don't want to cause a, a stir. I don't want to do anything. Living the Christian life, if they are convicted by that, you've done nothing but be faithful to God's word and what God has told you to do. And so as you come to realize that his position was settled, he knew what he was supposed to do and where he was supposed to stand. But now he is offering this prayer. Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. 
I am thy servant. I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God. Thou hast turned their heart back again. That statement right there, speaking of turning Israel's heart back to God, a reviving, if you would. And so you begin to see that he is praying, he is offering this, he is begging and pleading with God, let it be known. That young girl a couple of weeks ago approached me and asked me, what could I do? What should I do? I said, the greatest thing that you can do is tell them about Jesus. Just tell them about Jesus. He's hurting. He's looking for hope. He's looking for answers. He needs somebody just to tell him that Jesus loves him. As you begin to think about that, the servant here, he goes on and says, Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, that I have done all these things at thy word. He's offering this prayer, and as he is calling unto the Lord, he is seeking the Lord to work in a great way. As he makes this statement, let it be known this day that thou art God, he is speaking of how sovereign God is. He goes on and speaks of not only how sovereign God is, Lord, let it be known that thou art God. And then he says, you're God and I'm just your servant. And as he makes that statement, I am thy servant, he then goes on and he says this in the very end, that I have done all these things at thy word. I'm yielded to you, God. I've only done what you've asked me to do. And then as you continue reading on, he says in verse number 37, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Lord, thou art sovereign. I'm just your servant. I'm yielded to you, but Lord, we need revival. This morning, you might be sitting there, and as we begin to advertise or promote or share information about our revival meeting coming up, I stand here and I say it again, it's just a meeting unless God meets with us. Unless God gets a hold of our hearts, it is just a meeting. Unless we are willing to come to the house of God with our hearts surrendered and yielded to the Lord and say, Lord, you have your will, you accomplish whatever you choose to accomplish, you do whatever it is you need to do. Lord, if there's sin in my life, deal with the sin. Lord, if there's apathy in my life, deal with the apathy. Lord, I need you and I need to be revived. Maybe you've come to the doors of the church and you say, oh, I don't need revival. Someone else needs revival. Or maybe you've come to the doors of the church and you're saying, ah, what's the big deal? Can we not just come and enjoy ourselves and read the Word of God and then leave? No, God never intended that His Word would just be read. But you find that He says, be hearers and doers also. He desires that His Word be lived upon and acted upon. And so we find, number three, a different perspective here. Because in verse number 38, the Bible says, Then the fire of the Lord fell. Notice with me, in verse number 21, he says, If the Lord be God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. Not a soul answers. A change of perspective is seen in verse number 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that it was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. This morning... As we begin to think about all the Lord has done over the last year. And I think back on the testimony of, yes, the last year has been wonderful. But I look back at my own personal life and I see that God has been doing a great and mighty work. 
Some of you have shared testimonies with me, and I see that God has done a great and mighty work in your own life. And one of the dangers in our lives and in the Christian life is that we can get so caught up with trying to fit into a world that we were never intended to fit in with, that all of a sudden we start doing things that we were never intended to do, and we start going places we were never intended to go, and we start trying to fit in, and all of these things are taking place, and all the while the Lord is saying, Where's your position? Where do you stand? I've shown you the way. I've done things and revealed my faithfulness to you time and time again. Yet far too often we teeter and have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And you'll find that God's word deals with that and it was never his intention. You see, we are supposed to be a light to the world, not supposed to be of the world. And while you're in this world, we find the hymn to be true. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And so as you come to this verse right here, you see that the fire falls. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, the Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. This morning, I want to encourage you and I want to ask you and plead with you. I don't know where you stand. I don't know if you're standing in the church and standing in the the world and you're trying to make the balance, but God never intended for you to live that way. God intended for you to be a joyful Christian that is living through Him. And as He works on your behalf and He works through you and in you, that you would go and you would be a light to this world. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I've been trying to be a Christian, I've been trying to do this, and I I just can't do both. It's because you're not supposed to do both. Supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to stand out. You're supposed to be a light to this world, making a difference. I close with this this morning. I go back in my mind to working and driving cars and parking cars and valet parking, and there was a man by the name of Josiah. Some of you've heard about him. And Josiah grew up in a preacher's home. And his parents got a divorce, and he said from that point on he didn't want to go to church any longer. He didn't want anything to do with God because he saw hypocrisy lived in his home. And I got all that information out of him after months and months and months of just inviting him to go to church with us. And I remember finally it was a slow time, and I just point blank asked him, why won't you come? And he shared all that information. And it didn't matter. I remember working with Chris Barrows. It didn't matter that we were trying to encourage him. Yes, men fail you, but God has never failed you. But I remember you could see a change in his countenance when it is as though the joy that he had those years growing up when he was joyful in the Lord and all that, he could sense that joy on two college students that were trying to reach him. And it's as though his mind went back to those days and he just for a few moments had a little bit of joy thinking back on himself living for the Lord. And I remember talking to him and thinking, man, I just want him to come. And then finding out that testimony, we were trying and trying and trying. He never did. But he's still friends with me on Facebook. He still sees everything that's going on. And I know that there are many people just like Josiah Patterson that are out in this world that are looking for a Christian Not a Christian playing games.
They're looking for a Christian who would point blank tell them, Jesus loves you. I was meeting just the other day with a dear lady, sitting down, asking questions, having a good time. She began to share a testimony. She began to tell a little bit about her family and her husband and her children and all of that and began to share that one of her sons was in the military and had passed, I believe at the age of 20, while he was in the military. You fast forward and for years and years and years, not knowing his relationship with the Lord or anything like that. And two nephews approach her began to share with her 50 years later that her son was the one who told them that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again for them. Began to share the gospel. Began to testify to a lady who might have had questions. Whatever happened, what did, what, how was the life that he lived? And began to find out rather quickly that he loved Jesus and told others about him. And as I was listening to Miss Cynthia tell me that story the other day, I couldn't think about just how wonderful our God is. And that how sometimes we don't know. But as Brother Zach was saying, farther along, we'll know all about it. And I ask you this morning, church, I don't know if you're playing games with God, but how long halt ye between two opinions? If God be God, let's follow him. Let's do something for the Lord. Let's be a different people. Let's be a people that go and reach Clarksville, Tennessee, and in the surrounding areas for Jesus. Lord, we do thank you this morning. I pray that you would draw us to this altar. Lord, that we'd get a burden once again. Lord, that we would have tears in our eyes for souls. Lord, that we would allow you to have your will accomplished through us. Lord, we need you. There are people that are lost that need you. Lord, this society needs you. This city needs you. This county needs you. This world needs you. I pray that you'd convict us. Lord, you're so good. Lord, far too often, so many of us are playing games. Our life is not promised. So, Lord, this morning, help us to yield it to you, surrender our all, and allow you to have your perfect will accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray.